1: Welcome to the Real Love Podcast Series, right here on the Sharon Salzberg Meta Hour. This series features a variety of conversations with some of the world's finest teachers and thinkers, all exploring Sharon's new book, Real Love, The Art of Mindful Connection. Real Love is a field guide for anyone seeking awakened living in the 21st century. To get your copy of Real Love, visit SharonSalsberg.com. This podcast is brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please visit www.BeHereNowNetwork.com backslash Sharon.
2: Hi, I'm Sharon Salzberg. And today I'm speaking to Congressman Tim Ryan, who is a a great voice for mindfulness. He's a national leader, and we're friends. We originally met in Wisconsin several years ago, we were both at an event that uh, Dr. Richie Davidson was offering in celebration of the opening of his uh, new center as part of the University of Wisconsin at, at Madison. Um, Tim Ryan serves in the U.S. Congress representing Ohio's 13th District. He was first elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 2002 and was sworn in on January 3rd, 2003. He's been successfully re-elected seven times and is now serving his eighth term. Congressman Ryan currently serves as a member of the powerful House Appropriations Committee and is co-chair of the Congressional Manufacturing Caucus. You've probably seen him on TV championing championing efforts to make college more affordable, to revitalize America's cities, and to improve the health and well-being of American families and children. Congressman Ryan is the author of A Mindful Nation, How a Simple Practice Can Help Us Reduce Stress, Improve Performance, and Recapture the American Spirit, which was published in 2012. So I love this quotation of yours, which goes, The mindfulness revolution is not quite as dramatic as the moonshot, but I believe in the long run, in the long run, it can have just as great of an impact. So that's an incredible statement. What did you mean by that?
3: Yeah. Well, um, I just feel like there there are certain things that shift the way that people see the world, and the moonshot was a very dramatic uh, moment for the country. Um, you know, just the engineering of the whole deal. Um, But kind of reorienting us uh, to where we are in the world and being able to get a picture uh, looking back uh, to us and landing on the moon and and having that success. I think it shifted what the possibilities were Mm -hmm. for us as a country. And I think... You know, right now, instead of going outward, the movement to go inward and to understand ourselves more and better and deeper uh, of what's happening with us is going to be dramatic uh, in in a lot of ways. Clearly not as much as the moonshot, but helping us figure out what what the hell's going on, you know, we've got so much happening that we're all disoriented you know in the world and we're disconnected in the world even though we have all this technology and to me contemplative practices and going inward and trying to understand how we are and our anxieties and our fears and everything that spill out into the public realm uh, that we see every single day very prominently in our our political discourse
0: mm-hmm.
3: and that can shift that. And if that shifts, that's going to be a monumental uh, shift and a monumental achievement for us because it feels like this has been going on for such mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. That's
2: true. One of the uh, books I quote in my, my book, Real Love is um, Bowling Alone and about how so many of the social structures of this, country and, and ways we used to come together, they've kind of dissolved or they've weakened in a lot of ways. And, and it's harder to find one another very directly. And uh, we need to, in some way, I think, uh, create new forms for many people, not everybody, but you know, some people are still uh, very much rooted in, in their traditional ways of coming together. But a lot of people are not. And I guess that's part of what that hunger for social media is, is trying to address.
3: yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it stimulates, you know, the same part of your brain that gets stimulated when you do drugs.
2: <laughs> that helps.
3: Yeah, that, that kinda helps. But yeah, I mean I think we're looking for that connection and it's why the, the reflection inward can help us say, Okay, what am I what am I really looking for here? What's the goal? What am I trying to do? Why am I not happy? Why am I not satisfied? Why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not content? And you can't figure that out until you go inward. And so then that shifts in all of these outwardly things that you think satisfy you. And maybe they do for a few seconds or a few moments. Consumerism, the, the, the draw to, um, you know, your, your social media. Um, you, you know, the, the other thing, too, that I'm getting more concerned about is this notion that we – are perfect and everything's okay. You know, mm-hmm. like our Facebook pages are
2: mm-hmm. like
3: a real account of who we are. You know, I'm going to put this picture up cause I look good and not this one and not that one. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff's normal, but young kids growing up, you know, every, everything's gotta be perfect. And if mm-hmm. it's not, you know, they, that expectation, then it could really damage you and it, prevents you from building resiliency that you need to overcome bad things that happen or tough challenges that you may face.
2: You know, it's really true. It's, it's, uh, somebody said to me, well, no one puts up a photograph of their mediocre lunch. You know, it's gotta be like better than everyone else's
3: Yeah, and, and yeah.
2: really sublime. And then we, we put it up and, and we're yeah. always comparing our experience to others.
3: And that's it, you know, in compar- Which which it just gets amplified. I mean it's stuff that always happened. People always compare themselves to each other but it's just this constant barrage of everybody trying to one-up each other and, you know, oh, I'm here. And, you know, I mean I know in the mindfulness world people talk about this. You know, you're taking a picture. I'm here. You're tweeting. I'm there. I'm this. I'm that. And mm-hmm. then, well, are you really there? You know, because it's sounds <laughs> like you're – just a reporter you're not really (laughs) experiencing you know you're too busy tweeting about it to really be in the moment where you are
2: i know many years ago i was in hawaii with uh, my friend joseph goldstein and we were lying on a beach and i was reading a copy of james Mishner's book hawaii and Mm -hmm. joseph said you should put it down you know like look around this is Mm -hmm. where you are
3: right right
2: right So it's a modern version of that. So there's another quotation of yours I really love. Um, As you know, I separated my book into three interconnected parts. The first is about love of oneself, uh, which is not narcissism, but like kind of self-respect. The other is, the second section is love for an other, whoever that other might be, child, parent, partner, whatever. And the third is love in a larger sense of community. And this is your quotation. I've been on enough sports teams in my life to have experienced the magic of what can happen when a group of people care for and love each other. And this seems like when people come together to work for the common good, when um, it's it's the maybe idealistic vision of coming together uh, in a campaign of some kind that could not be grounded in in love and caring and compassion.
3: Yeah, that's you know that's actually a theme that i've in the last few months i've kind of dusted off and brought back and try to use a lot and i i try to use it you know not when i'm just talking to groups of meditators or religious people but to you know use it use that idea when i'm talking to unions and i tell mm-hmm. them i said you know like i tell my kids i said you don't always have to like each other but you got to love each other and mm-hmm. You know you're going to have arguments, fights, disagreements, differences of opinion, but if if you know if you're not if you don't care about each other and respect each other and love each other at some deeper level, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And and we had that I think coming out of World War II, a generation that came out of the Depression and war and rebuilding the country and. And creating a new economy and all of that, it was it was almost seared into their minds and their bodies and their souls that you know we're in this thing together, right. all Americans. And then you know we we have just kind of faded out of that as we lost that generation. And you know there was a, just not to get overly sentimental about it, but there was a there was a real connection there. Yeah. And, yeah. And there was a connection to the land. I mean, we were very agrarian, you know, and that Mm -hmm. started to change. And even if you lived in a city or a suburban area, you had a garden, you were connected, you know, um, and you were, you know, you you lived with your grandparents and your kids. They were, it was like three generations Mm -hmm. of people that lived in the same home and took care of each other until the day they died or you know, even giving birth in homes. I mean, it just on and on. I mean, breastfeeding your kids and passing down that wisdom Mm -hmm. over the generations and how to do things, how to raise the kids and how to raise a garden, you know, all these things. And so that just slowly has faded away. And that's what I mean when I say we've we've gotten disconnected Mm -hmm. um, from those traditions that we would pass down. And now here we are, you know, look at us. I mean, yeah. It's just my, my friend who writes for the Youngstown Vindicator had a great column. He's from Buffalo, which is very similar to Youngstown mm-hmm. where, where we're from. And he, he had this great phrase he in one of his columns a few years back. And he said, I grew up on my parents' front porch. And now I come home and we all go to our back porch with our fenced-in yard and it just kind of yeah. captures the the kind of connectivity that we had for so long in our communities, and now we all just retreat to our back porch that's fenced in, and you know have a beer after work by ourselves. You know? Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, kind of the urban equivalent of that. Somebody said to me they used to love being in New York City because you could just strike up a conversation with all these people, you know, a street vendor, a taxi cab driver, whatever. And, and now, uh, except for the person who's driving, everybody is on their phones, you know? And, and you yeah. sit in a park and people aren't talking to each other or looking at each other. And it was those random encounters which were so enriching for her and just having a sense of, of a larger community. Well, I think we, of course, see the effects of the divisiveness and the, it's really disconnection. We are so disconnected from this earth and from one another. And, uh, it seems to be that that's one way that meditation can have a very powerful role, hopefully in the body politic, you know, in civil discourse. And in the question of engagement, we can really learn to have more interest and compassion, uh, for one another.
3: Yeah. And listen. You know, but like listen to each other. I mean, it's, it's okay for someone to have a different opinion of things than you have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just may learn, uh, from somebody and it may not, it, it may not, you may not be in a complete agreement, but they may help you look at something differently. And maybe within that new view that you have, there's some solution that maybe you could even agree on together, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I've been doing this long enough now that there are good people who I think have really terrible approaches to things, and I get upset that they can't see it the way I see it you mm-hmm. know? and it's just it just but you know, and it doesn't mean you don't argue about it either mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's so oh, that's what we're here for. we're here to have you don't have to hate people, but you can forcefully state your point of view as you see it. And that's like try to tell I look, this is the truth as I see it. And Mm -hmm. I feel strongly about it because this is how I see the truth. And, and, you know, and here's my argument. And, you know, at the end of the day, you win or I win or your legislation passes or mine does. You know, it doesn't mean we have to get rid of the humanity that we have. And I and I tell you, Sharon, I just think we're at a point where We've got to – before there's any economic plan or political plan, like if we don't slow down and, and, and get some quiet time, mm-hmm. that we're just – we're continuing to disintegrate from – and the systems are disintegrating. And if we're going to pull it back together, we got to slow down. Reconnect with what our values are, and then build a political system or an economic system based on us reconnecting to those values, which that World War II generation had, because mm-hmm. they all they, they were they were operating from shared values and what the world needed to look like, and what the economy needed to look like, and you mm-hmm. know out of that you got. America with a new role in the world, and you got Medicare and Social Security and like dignity for our seniors, and that led to the Great Society where it was about housing and civil rights and um, a little more justice to the economy and to our society. That all came out of those values. Um, and now I don't know if we know what those values are. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, we see it and people throw it around, freedom and liberty and all this stuff. But do we really have a common set of values as a country that we all agree on? And if we don't, we better really put some intention behind figuring out what those are and and then get grounded in them. And then legislation and other things come out. I mean, not to get too deep into this, but if you look at some of the things Richard Nixon passed when Mm -hmm. he was president. Um, His he was he signed the EPA into law. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he was working on getting us out of Vietnam. I mean, he you know, it's obviously tough to talk about Nixon without, you know, especially in today's environment with Watergate and everything else. But his his legislative agenda, you know, community development block grants for cities. You know, he it, it we were coming from We the federal government has a responsibility to do some of these things. Right. And that was because we all shared our values. Uh, and then, you know, obviously things shifted. And so now we have more polarization. But that's the point. It wasn't Democrat or Republican. It was we were all operating from values. And, yeah, there were some differences, but he was proposing and implementing the same things that John Kennedy was trying Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. implement because their values were the same.
2: Yeah. And and he does seem really progressive as we look back. Um, It's kind of amazing. And I think you've inspired me actually, Mm -hmm. and and made me think also that um, that kind of communication has to begin at home, more or less, you know, like in in kind of local communities and and build and build and build and build and keep expanding because it's right uh with our neighbors we we're, we're not finding each other we're not exhibiting that that sense of connection and um you know we hold it sometimes in the abstract like a uh, meditator dedicating their their efforts to the happiness and the safety and and the um security of all beings everywhere you know but what about that person down the street you know who's kind of annoying and uh really coming together in in all kinds of levels
3: Yeah. Well, that's really the test. I mean, that's obviously that you talk about in almost all of your books and in any session that I've been with you in meditation session, you mention it and that's, it's not about the practice so much as Mm -hmm. it is taking the practice off the cushion Mm -hmm. and into the world. I mean, that's, that's the hard part. (laughs) You know, it's easy to make a a foul shot when you're, you know, by yourself in a gym. It's a little harder when there's 50,000 people screaming at you to miss it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so you gotta, but you you gotta do the practice so that when you get in that moment, you've got something to fall back on.
2: Uh huh. How's the quiet time caucus going? You still doing it?
3: Yeah, it's slow. You know, we're not getting a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know, participation. Our staff uh, uh, weekly uh, sessions. Are still pretty well attended. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, some folks in a few weeks ago. We had a really cool session with the um, Art of Living folks. They have a they have a group called Project Welcome Home Troops, mm-hmm. and it's they call it a Power Breath Workshop where they do a lot of deep breathing and meditation to help the vet process a lot of their trauma. Because mm-hmm. some of them, you know, they they're carrying so much trauma that they can't just sit and meditate.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, you
3: know, there's too much going on. And so the deep breathing, which is a, you know, series of, uh, Kriya yoga breaths, uh, over a uh, six day period really helps them process the trauma so that then they can then sit and find some quiet, which is really cool. Anyway, they came in and we probably had six or seven different members of Congress come and participate in a two day program. That's fabulous. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's just, it's, I feel like I'm digging a ditch, you know, it's like... <laughs> With a spoon. (laughs) oh, Oh. (laughs) But um, it's, you know, it's worth it because, you know, you see guys and women that say, oh my God, you know, this is so good for me. I needed Mm -hmm. this so bad. Um, And that's just like after a two hour session, you know, Mm -hmm. deep breathing and some, and some, uh, you know, meditation. And it's, and it's great. And, uh, it's, it's coming along.
2: It's fabulous. I'm going to England pretty soon. And, uh, there are, I think, 40 members of Parliament that are coming together. And John Kevinson's zinn uh,
3: oh, about coming. Oh, I know. I'm so meditation. sad I can't
2: yeah. take it. Oh, that would have been fun.
3: Yeah, Chris, Chris Ruane. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I would love to. I wanted to come, but it's in the middle of a work week here. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's so cool. That's a great example because they have – members from different political parties that all came together and wrote, you know, the kind of UA or UK mindfulness, Mm -hmm. uh, book on everything that they're doing and all the benefits that it can have in society. It was very cool. So, uh, we're going to keep plugging away though. It's it's amazing (laughs) on the world. I got to tell you, I, people grab me all the time and they're like, I read your book or Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I started meditating or, you know, it's a, you know, they don't grab me about, uh, well, they do, but not as much, <laughs> you know, about, you know, I got a pothole or, you know, can you fix this road or, you know, it's like I started meditating. Boy, it, it's really, really helpful for me, you know, that's and that's so, so gratifying to, to see them empowered to be able to take care of themselves.
2: That's fantastic i have got a pothole. That's very funny. Is that a congressional matter,
3: or is that like... <laughs> well, sounds like the mayor or something. Sometimes, yeah. Well, they grab the guy they see on TV. So, you know, Sharon, I'm going to have to sneak yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I, see
2: that. I um, heard that. Wonderful. Thanks, dear. All right, Sharon. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. The bell you heard ringing was Congressman Ryan being called to a vote, and so uh, we're going to try to reschedule another session where we can just continue our conversation.
1: Thank you for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Join us this summer for the Real Love Challenge. To get your copy of Real Love, visit com. May all beings be happy.